Don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're, that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well, I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. <laughs> This is Pete Holmes, you're listening to Hobo Radio, and I think that's great. And now, to guys who seem to be made to suffer, it's their lot in life. Joel Murphy and Lars Periwinkle. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio. And cradling an adorable cat right now is my co-host, Lars Periwinkle. How is it going? What's up, honey? I was really hoping we'd get like a mirror, like right on. Me too. I was was actually squeezing her, but she didn't. Do you want to say hi, Barbara? (laughs) Barbara. Yeah. (laughs) They never do what you want them to do when you want them to do it. That's the great thing about cats. Yeah. I mean, that's the appeal from what I understand. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, also, you and I have been, like, up here shooting the shit, setting up the show for, like, 30 minutes, and she decided to walk in the room <laughs> when we said, let's start the show. Cats are like dogs, but for people, like, if you were like, what if a dog hated me? <laughs> Still had all the same needs, but yeah. uh, but but was really shitty about it. Yeah, yeah, just terrible, and somehow they're, like, what if... What if a dog took a shit and it smelled bad every single time and it was in my house? Yeah. <sighs> I do love her, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pets. They're great. <laughs> hot take. Hot take from Joel Murphy over here, everybody. No, we've had the most adorable thing lately. Uh, uh, Jolene, our dog, uh, has she's had chronic ear infections uh, since we got her. Since she was on the the streets, which is still the funniest thing in the world for me to imagine, is our adorable pug who has absolutely no survival skills. They found her on the street. <laughs> oh my I, god! I always picture it in my head if I was like shooting it as a scene. It was like whoever abandoned her just like set her on the street, and she was there for like ten seconds before someone walked by and was like, "Oh my right. god!" Because that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Like I can't imagine yeah. her having lived on the like on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just I can sat. see her there like yeah. like she's trying to she's trying to lick herself but she can't reach and then someone walks up and she looks up and says, Hi new friend. Yeah. Yeah, like I do yeah. in my mind if you if you picture it, it's like they, they set her on the the cur- the sidewalk and then it's like a close up of her for like she sits and she doesn't move for like three seconds and then someone else walks up and it's like, Oh my god. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but all that to be said, uh, so she's, she kept, she keeps getting ear infections and now she's eating hydrolyzed protein food because we live in California. No, because they think Christ that's what's causing mighty. the ear infections. But for a month with a, so I would have to hold her and, and Molly would have to put a syringe into her ear to try to clear up the infection. And the thing is it worked, but like at the end, so we would give her a treat, you know? So she she hated it, but uh, she'd sit there. I'd hold her. She'd get this stuff shot into her ear. She'd shake her head, and then she'd run to get a treat. Well, so the funny thing is, so then like after a month, we're done. She gets clean bill of health from the vet. She keeps doing it though. Now now 
that she comes up to me and like sits in my lap and waits. So what we've done the past couple of days is Molly will come up and just play with her ears. Like, and be like, oh, let's look at your ears. Like, and then, yeah. you know, like acts like she's doing anything. And then she, it's like, okay, I did it. And runs and gets a treat. She, this is now like a, tri- it's a thing now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's her bell. Yeah. It's, it's her Pavlovian bell. Well, and we don't want to break it. Cause like chances are she might get another ear infection. So might as well keep the pattern like going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also you don't, you know. That stuff gets on your nerves until they don't do it anymore. Right. And then they're off to college. Yeah, exactly. Ah. Empty nest. Yeah. I miss, I miss her, her stinky farts. Yeah. Oh, she does have some stinky farts, especially with hydrolyzed <laughs> protein. The food <laughs> smells so bad. Like, <laughs> like, I had that when we got it. I was like, she's not going to eat this. And then she's like, oh, my God, food. Love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was. Oh, I, I can eat this. That was the other thing, too, because we had to, to do this diet. So you cut everything. You know, you can't give her like any kind of outside treats. You can only feed her this food. And so I was worried how that was going to go. And then I was talking to the vet and he was like, how's it going? And I was like, oh, yeah, she doesn't care. She just like because we'll just and the, the treat that we give her is just like a couple pieces of food or whatever. And sure. and she loves it. And so <laughs> I was telling the vet, yeah, she doesn't care. She just eats this food. She's fine. And he was like, yep, that's pugs. Like they don't <laughs> they like food. It doesn't matter what it is. That's true. Yeah. Just, just food. I, we, I, th- I think we should backwards engineer the dog. Start. Can we breed them back into wolves so that they're all wolves again? We should do that. Yeah. Yeah, we should. I mean, like, n- like I don't know. I, I was about to say no offense to Jolene, but also like no offense to everybody and also myself because we've all owned <clears throat> dumb, broken dogs. But like. You see some of these breeds of dog, and it looks like they're sitting there. They're sitting there with their stupid flat faces, and like they can't even like they can't even like fold themselves in half to lick their own butts anymore. And you're like, you just we've bred you into nothing. There's like special tools to put eyeballs back in sockets when they <laughs> fall out. What have we done to the animals? Well, that's yeah. I mean, I wanted a pug my whole life because I thought they were adorable. I didn't want to get one from a breeder because I do think breeders are are kind of icky uh but i love her so dearly uh she is my child they shouldn't be pugs should not be like that is what you learn when you own a pug we've had her for two years you're like this this seems like (laughs) like we've done something terrible we we this is mary shelley's frankenstein we have played god And uh, what I'm trying to say is Jolene drowns uh, girls in, in lakes when we're not around. She does hate little oh. girls. You know what? There is a Frankenstein thing. She she exclusively barks at little girls for some reason. No kidding. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> because little girls get super excited when you have a dog. And every single time they're like, oh, my God, dog. And then she's like, rawr, 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 rawr. Yep. Yep. Well, I, she probably sees the competition of like, no, I'm the pretty little girl. Go away. Maybe that's it. Yeah. She's, it's a, it's a snow white situation. She has to be the fairest one of all. Yep. Yep. I've, you know, I had a, um, if you, if you remember, and if our listeners remember, I had a, a dog named John who was a, he was a, um, beagle Jack Russell mix and he hated everybody that he didn't know. Basically he was, and, uh, um, if I can just say a good boy. I like he him. was a good boy. He was yeah. a good boy. He was just really scared at the yeah, way yeah. that dogs. No, he was. But they, no, that dog was great. Yeah. 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 But, um, you know, have little kids come up. Can I pet your dog? No. Yeah. No, you can't. Oh, but I'll be nice. I'm sure you will. But he will not be nice. He yeah. will bite your face. <laughs> so I'm sorry. No, it's nothing personal. By the way, the, it's, it is funny because it's like you get a mix of reactions when you say when I take her for the walks and like. Some, you know, like I felt, I feel terrible. Like sometimes little girls will like get scared and run, which is also, she just barks. She's, there's no second move. Like, what is she going to do? Like, she's not like run, doesn't run. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's barking and hoping that works. But so if little girls are scared, then I feel the old bad. spray and pray. <laughs> yeah. But some little girls have been scared and I feel bad. Sometimes they just are undeterred. <laughs> Which I appreciate, uh, you know, where like she'll bark at them and they'll be like, no, like just defiantly, like just blow past it. 
But the funniest one was there was one girl that like just started barking back at her. Nice. Amazing. Like that's awesome. In little in little girl language, that's no fuck you. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, I think that's the right move. I think that's that she was right to Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I have something exciting for you. I think you're gonna be into this. Okay. And so I don't know if you saw Spotify does like those stories, the wrap, you know, up. The wrap up where they tell yeah. you uh, what music that you listen to and everything, which is a cool thing. I know some people are like weird about it, but like, I don't know. I, I like that. I like it feels like a video game. It's like you get stats for like, look at all that you accomplished. You know, like if uh, you, it makes you feel like you did something when you just listen to music in your headphones. So like, sure, I was in the top 67% of people who listen to music. You know, it's great. I feel feel really good about that. Uh, right on. But uh, the cool thing for us that's relevant to the show is they sent me an email uh, t- telling me some about like our show because you can listen to this show on Spotify. And um, some of it I didn't really understand. Apparently, our listenership is up uh, 999% on spotify Holy shit yeah we're blowing up so you know big time damn but the the interesting thing they did that they sent me is they told us the countries that listen to our show Ooh, spicy right. which i will say uh you know we we made a big deal about kenya and kenya we still love yeah. you just for the record love you kenya but i got a top 10 countries and I gotta say, Kenya, Kenya wasn't on there. Oh dear. Yeah. So, but I do think. Um, do you want all ten? Do we want all ten? I feel like we should. We should spotlight all ten. We yeah, have the time. that'll kill all sorts of time. I mean, number one is the United States. I'm not gonna like. I I'm gonna probably still start from ten, but I just didn't want to build the suspense of like number one is still right. the U.S. So just yes, you know. Yeah, uh, we're, in, we're yeah, it's a niche audience. Come on. Okay. Um. Uh, so number 10, Chechia. Awesome. Yeah. There you go. I don't have any additional information. I just know they're number 10. (laughs) Uh, number nine. It's because of buddy. Number nine, Malaysia. Cool. There you go, Malaysia. Beautiful cityscapes. Number eight, Greece. Uh Okay. Uh, number seven, Germany. Oh boy. Yeah. Number six, Sweden. Uh huh. Here we go. Top five. Okay. 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 Number five, France. What? Yeah. I, I was going to say you should probably start doing that angry French waiter character that you always do. You know, now, okay. that, now that France is listening, when you're like, wrong, wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's his famous catchphrase, wrong, wrong. Of of which is a beloved character. I mean, we all get a beloved character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just can't get that guy's soup right. Yeah, Wait, yeah. that's Grover. That's actually Grover. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, if I remember you the bit correctly, I mean, you're the one who does it. But from what I remember, it's that he he's very disgusted by what the Americans are ordering in their soup. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. It's fleets. It's pronounced fleets. Wrong, yeah. wrong, wrong. And then usually, like, somehow he ends up talking about Jerry Lewis. I don't know. That's... Oh, my God. What an old reference. <laughs> the French like Jerry Lewis. Do you... <laughs> do you have a more relevant one? What do you got? <laughs> um, no. No. Okay. You know what? No. Number four. United Kingdom. Oh, hey, Ed, you can do your famous British, British character. <laughs> Dickendian street urchin. Hello, governor. Gonna listen to a podcast, I am. <laughs> I'm gonna put me ears up to the chimney. If you could play the podcast loud. <laughs> yep. That accent stopped about halfway through and you were yeah. just saying words out of order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's him, though. That's He's had a rough life, so it's hard for him has, to maintain yeah. his Dickensian accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay number three canada it's awesome it reminds me we don't talk about tim hortons enough uh, i could talk about timmy's all day 
There's too many and also too few, if you ask me, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, number three, Canada. Number two, the Netherlands. Who's Netherlands? Oh, <laughs> oh. They like they like us down uh, down in the nether regions. Oh, well, there goes that. That was nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then number one was the United States. But there you go. I, that, I thought that was an interesting update, a, a window into uh, the the you know multi. You know, I mean, we're global. I think we could just start the global podcast that is Hobo Radio. Love it. I love it. I wouldn't, I would not have guessed um, our Dutch friends uh, coming in at number two. Yeah. Also, to all of these people, please uh, reach out in some way. Like, I would love to, like, that's the thing is, like, I always, we always hear this and then, like, we get these stats and then I'm like, I've never heard from anyone you know, like in any of these countries. And I would love to know how you found the show and why you like listening to it. Absolutely. But, uh, uh, but yeah, also we have a phone number too that people can call. I mean, it's not, I don't know what the international rates, if one Mm -hmm. were to, (laughs) to call, but, uh, if you can't tell, uh, I'm stalling slightly for time because I never remember what it is. But right, right. It, it, it's, free, it's free to it's free to DM us. I'm oh yeah, the the Lars Peter on Twitter. So yeah, yeah, or yeah, we have Hobo Radio podcast on Instagram. You can send a message there. Uh, the, the those are open. Uh, two one three seven seven zero seven two four one. Uh, that you can always call and leave a voicemail. By the way, nothing nothing from Ethan this week. So I don't know. I don't know. I hope he's okay. No, he's not. Oh, okay. Well, I talk. I talk to him like every day. He's really not okay. Okay. Well, no, no voicemail though. So, yeah, no voicemail. Yeah. What are you gonna do? All right. That that's everything that I had preliminary that I wanted to make sure to address because I imagine the the rest of the show is just gonna devolve into chaos because Uh-oh. you 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 dropped a like a a spicy take to me. In my my messages, you're already you're looking like you don't remember this, but uh, maybe you. I just okay. I just yeah. remembered. I was like, maybe you right. you blacked out and went into a haze because I was I was shocked to to my core <laughs> by what you told me. But it couldn't feel more relevant now. Just stay with me because we're going to talk about a movie from like 30 years ago. But <laughs> uh, it was a movie directed by one Steven Spielberg who has right. a new film. Uh, that's about to hit theaters that uh, if I could get sneak this plug in uh, West Side Story, you can read my review of West Side Story on HoboTrashCan.com. Uh, you can also go back a couple of episodes and listen to us talk about our high school production of West Side Story on a mm-hmm. recent episode. Uh, but yeah, quick synopsis if you're curious. West Side Story, uh, it's a good show. So th- the movie was fine. <laughs> I-, I like West Side Story, the musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I think Spielberg benefited a lot from uh, Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, that, that's the thing where it was like I just had that where I was like, I mean, this is good, sure, but I'm pretty sure if I pointed a camera at people singing Leonard Bernstein's songs uh-huh. with uh, lyrics by uh, Sondheim, I think uh-huh. you'd like it. That's I will say just real quick, when then we're gonna get to the spicy take, but like. That okay. that West Side Story that is full of bangers. Just want that for the record. Yeah, good call. Yeah, just 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 <laughs> chock chock full of bangers. You're like, oh yeah, America. That that one's great, you know. And then you're like, but what else do they have? What are the Maria? That's good, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, was it somewhere? Somewhere's great. Oh, somewhere's great. G Officer Krupke. It's a good yeah. one. Tonight, tonight. One. Yeah. yeah, I mean there's. Yeah, they're all good. It's a it's a good, it's a good musical. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good musical. That was a that was a home run. Look, I just don't. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think they nailed it in '64. Honestly, I don't know why. I think it was '61 for him to '61. Okay, yeah. I'll believe but, that. But uh, but yeah, I mean that was my that really is my takeaway. I think we did this. Like I think unless. And I mean, to my knowledge, this hasn't happened unless they destroyed all the copies of the 1961 
musical uh, that won many Academy Awards, including one for Rita Moreno, uh, you know, for playing Anita. I, I think we're good. I, I think I think that they did it. You could just find that one and watch it. Yeah. Would you recommend that? Like if someone says, watch the new one, watch the old one. I, I don't know anything about this musical at all other than like it's Romeo and Juliet in New York. Which which version would you recommend to them? The old one. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah. I haven't seen this new one and I'm always, I'm already like, I'll just watch the old, I haven't watched the old one in a while. Maybe I'll just yeah. watch that. Well, that's the thing. Like the, the new one, I mean, it benefits from, it clearly has like a bigger budget. Like the locations are great. You know, it benefits from uh, casting uh, a Latinx actor to play Maria. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, but but like there's so there's like a couple of things that I'm like, those are that's cool. Like, it's cool that like they they have this like big, cool looking warehouse that the the rumble is going to happen in. You get to see the city sort of being torn down around them. Like dude, a lot of money went into the sets and stuff, but it's like it's still that original one's great. Like it even without the the extra money and the extra locations and stuff, they they nailed it. <laughs> It's real good. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. And also, you know, the 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 old one used uh, sound stages mostly. And this is, you know, shot on location or on some look, not location, you know, uh, New York, probably, probably Vancouver, honestly. Yeah. Um, So there's that. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. He still just. Everyone's like, Rita Moreno's in it. Well, if you like her, have I got good news for you. Yeah. If that's what was keeping you from watching the old one. <laughs> well, I'm watching it because it's West Side Story with Rita Moreno in it. Yep. But you. Hmm. Here's another thing that you should know. When does this when did this movie come out? When does it hit theaters? It's going to come out on the 10th. Yeah. On the 10th of December. Yeah. Okay. Stephen Sondheim died November 26th. Mm-hmm. What is it? Just saying. What do you think? Do you, you think he died to avoid having to go to this? Yeah, totally. <laughs> he just didn't want to go to the premiere. <laughs> I think he. I think he saw the final cut. It was like, oh, they're going to want me to show up to this piece of garbage. Yeah, yeah. They're, people are going to ask me about this. I'm 91. It's fine. <laughs> uh, also, rest in peace, Sondheim. I mean, I don't want that to be like oh, yeah, the only. Yeah, yeah no. no, I'm making. I'm, well, yeah, I wasn't making a joke about him, but I was making no, a no, joke no. about his death. I know you which, were, which, but it's like it's one of those things where it did kind of hit hard because he's he is the like he is the genius. Like you can talk. I don't know. I don't want to take a shit on anyone by naming other people who wrote really popular musicals, but like Stephen Sondheim was a certifiable genius. Take that, dear um, Evan Hansen. <laughs> Whoa! Shots fired. Yeah, I don't know. I just it just felt like you needed a musical like that. I I wanted <laughs> I wanted to name one. Wanted yeah, to I mean, beat. I mean, well, yeah. I'm talking. Look, I was the first person that came to anyone's mind was Andrew Lloyd Webber, which he has great musicals. He has also very popular and successful musicals, and that that Venn diagram has a very skinny center. But Sondheim is like Sondheim is Sondheim. That's the reason why people know that that name without necessarily knowing who the hell it is. Like it is uh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, that word gets thrown around a lot, but oh, man. honest to God, brilliant. Man, because you mentioned Andrew Lloyd Webber, now I'm like, what if uh, Spielberg had really gone for it and he just he did like that Cats <laughs> movie like like just like a really like fever dream like hyper yeah. lsd version of west side story with with james corden in it i think james corden should have been tony oh, <laughs> i don't want to go on with a bit anymore <laughs> uh, <laughs> with ray winstone in it he would have actually ray winstone would make more sense for this thing i cast. like some ray winstone yeah we can yeah. do that yeah he would have made more sense <laughs> this time around <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyway. All right. So for real, though, your spicy take, would you like to tell the people what you No, I, I wouldn't. Why don't you go ahead and read my text? I think it says it all. Okay, let me find it. No, and I know I just queued that up. Well, you know, you should have had that. But this is so fucking unprofessional. You're like Andrew Lloyd Webber over here. Okay. So on Wednesday, November 24th at 8.12 p.m. 
I got mm-hmm. the following text from Lars out of like out of the blue, which is not weird. I don't mean to make that sound weird. We regularly text each other out of the blue. So that's not uncommon yeah. in and of itself. Right. But just I just wanted to like in case someone was wondering if there was context. There was no no context. I just get this text. Jurassic Park isn't as good as we think it is, and we need to deal with that. <laughs> I agree. Well, you said it, so I would hope oh, you would agree. Oh, okay. Well, that's convenient then. So <clears throat> I think the first question that I have and maybe the listeners have is like, what, what prompted that? Um, man, I don't remember. To tell you the truth, um, I, uh, I, we've been working on our house nonstop. So it's like we go to work, we come home and we work because the the renovations are done, but we had so much to do to get ready for like stuff that is boring, but we needed to do it. And so like, I was just in a haze. I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was working. It was like, go to work, come home, work outside until it's dark, work inside until I need to eat and go to sleep. And that was, that was my, Julia and I and myself's uh, routine for like two weeks straight. We got exhausted. So I've been living in a haze for, for like five days at that point. And, uh, I don't remember what prompted it, but, um, shit, what was it? I honest to God don't remember. I think some people might've been talking about it. Like my family might've been talking about, well, they were definitely talking about movies on Thanksgiving, but that one must've came up and it got stuck in my crawl of, I think our generation, I won't even say a generation because you and I, they call, they call us zennials, I guess. We don't, we don't have a, nobody wants us. We're like, I think, I think we're millennials, I think is where it ended up settling, but it's, you read stuff and it's like, we're right on that cusp and nobody wants us. And, uh, I understand it. But it's like you were in (laughs) middle school. I like the one that I was, that I, the best that I've heard is I, someone tried to coin the term, uh, the Oregon trail generation for us. And I like that because they, they were specifically saying that. people that, that had the experience that we had, which was like you grew up where like you kind of had computers in elementary school, but it was like you played Oregon Trail, which is just like really, you know, eight bit <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but it was super exciting. But like you didn't really have the Internet until uh, maybe middle school. If Like I knew people in middle school who like had AOL, but I didn't. And then it yeah. was like high yeah. school. You had the Internet. But it was still very primitive. Like it wasn't. It it wasn't. It hadn't taken over your lives. Like you had to use no. The, the, the search the search engines were Yahoo and Netscape Navigator. Right, and you probably you had know. AOL. Yeah, uh, you know, and you the internet was, and it was like, all, and it was all a modem. They were all dial up. Yeah, the, the internet was really. It was like a text based thing that you could maybe like. Essentially, the internet was text messaging at that point. Like mostly. Yeah. And yeah. it was only at set times, like you, you had to use your, your landline, which I know I've lost a bunch of people with the, <laughs> the idea of a landline, but like, yeah, you, you tied up a phone line <laughs> to use the internet. So like, I think that that is such a specific thing that like, because it's not the same as the people who came before us who didn't have computers or the internet at all. And it's not the same as the generation right after us who like the internet all like twitter was a thing when you were five you know (laughs) like right you know so i i like there is something about having all information available to you at all times and uh just being like you know because we were teenagers who got to do dumb shit we're probably the last generation of teenagers who could do very stupid things without the threat of it instantly ending up online five seconds after we did it Oh, 100%. And how grateful are we for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like the, and we also, I mean, we had a lot of friends who were very into like making videos and stuff. We, we would have, you know, our friends would have been like TikTokers, you know, like making because we would make videos, but then you had to like, we'd record them on VHS tapes and show them to us. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I've thought about that. So on the one hand, it would have been great if, if we had the technology to make the cool movies that we wanted to make, you know, cause we made videos that were like skits or like short films or something, but they ended up 
you know, well, they they were lame for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the least of which is we didn't have any access to good technology to make it look the way we wanted it to look. But the other side of that coin is we would have been recording everything all the time and um we would all well we couldn't run for office that's for sure no nor should Um, we and there probably would be some jail time involved probably but i think what i'm trying to say is like if you were in middle school or like early high school in 1993 when jurassic park came out i think we have I hope I think we have a lot of reverence for the movie Jurassic Park. It was probably which the, I'm, I'm, I think for people ahead. our age, I was just going to say, yeah, it probably was the the blockbuster. Like the like you, you we were the perfect right age that you saw that in the theater and it was epic. Like it was truly absolutely an, epic. Yeah. And also like not too far in our rearview mirror were all those um sections in elementary school that we had on dinosaurs and we all love dinosaurs everybody like some kids like me like dinosaurs more than the other kids but everybody likes the dinosaurs right yeah i mean i i've recently told the story too about when i sang that my name is stegosaurus song in elementary school like like but no i love jurassic park so much that it got me to read that thick ass michael crichton book like at that age like i watched (laughs) the movie and i was like i want to read this really like, you know, and it wasn't like a hard book to read, but Creighton was very into like the science of it and, you know, talking about chaos theory and stuff. So I'm like, you know, like a young kid, like, you know, I was young, like reading this thick ass book about dinosaurs and like, you know, all the Ian Malcolm's theories and shit. So, yeah, no, I mean, it was huge. It, it, it was I would say because like I'm a huge Batman fan. So like Batman had a huge impact on me when I was a little bit younger, you know, that, that Michael Keaton batman but, sure yeah but like i feel like jurassic park was probably it was probably the biggest like across the board for uh for all of us that like if you asked anyone our age like yeah i saw jurassic park in the theater like oh my god it was amazing so, yeah. yeah totally totally i mean you, the you know um the shot in when when alan, alan grant are in the jeep and he looks over and he sees it and the music swells and then you they pan out and you see all the dinosaurs. I mean, that gives literally just gave me chills because I'm a I'm a little kid sitting in the movie theater and you hear John Williams score and like, oh, my God, dinosaurs are real. Look at them. There they are right there. There aren't some cheesy stop motion animation thing. Those are dinosaurs as far as I was concerned. Well, right. And that's probably the biggest thing. You know, it's interesting now because CGI has become so ingrained in movies that it's just accept me like you you're spoiled we're spoiled we're spoiled we're spoiled to the point of like you know now it's like that uncanny valley like i mean i guess the dinosaurs were okay or whatever but like you know but it's like then the idea that yeah you could have a dinosaur that wasn't a guy in a suit or stop motion which were the really the only options before then and it's funny because like on silver linings playback we did uh, Super Mario Brothers, which came out the same year as Jurassic Park, which is so funny. They came out within like months of each other. Uh, mm. And that's a movie with dinosaurs in it. And those dinosaurs look like garbage. That movie, you know, went the other way. It's like it has practical effects, you know, and stuff. And yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, they spent a lot on the CGI. The CGI looks good. It has weight to it. Like, yeah, when you when he looks over his glasses in wonder at a dinosaur that is what you were feeling because you were you're literally having the same experience it's a meta moment of like you as this young kid who loves dinosaurs and who has imagined what it would be like you're seeing a dinosaur in a theater so it's a dark space it's a giant screen and as far as your brain is concerned that is a real dinosaur in that moment and that's and and it's a John Williams score so Fuck, you can't get better than that. John Williams made looking at water where a shark was supposed to be exciting. You think he can't <laughs> crush a fucking dinosaur out of the park? Like, that dude is going to nail that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I think it might be a, like a high budget horror movie that is pretty good. 
I think objectively, that's what Jurassic Park is. I'm just going to say, you're going to have a hard time convincing me of this argument. <laughs> I'm not trying to convince you of it. I'm just saying that's the way I see it. Because we hold it in reverence as we should. I'm always going to be in love with that movie. But I think if I'm looking at it objectively, if I'm looking at it through the lens of um, the lens of like someone, um, my brother's age, my brother's almost 10 years older than me. Uh, or, or if I'm looking at it through the eyes of someone born in the 21st century, um, like if they said, yeah, I saw Jurassic Park for the first time and like, it's okay. I don't see what the fuss is. I would have to say, absolutely. Like you won't understand the fuss and that isn't, you don't get it. It's like you, yeah, because there's a lot of shit that's better than that. Like, like a lot, like it's not. I think when you look at the history of modern film, um, let's say after after the Golden Age, so like 1980 and past, it it was a landmark in a lot of ways, but I don't think as a whole in quality of a movie does it does it do anything. You know what I mean? Technology wise, it it broke a lot of barriers. It is a beautiful score, but look at like, look at the act breaks, look at the plot breakdown and like, look at some of the acting and it's like, it's, it's okay. Like, it's okay. There wasn't, there wasn't like a fully fleshed out character in the movie, you know, like it it was a lot, it was, it was a move. The movie was a vehicle for dinosaurs and it nailed that. But as far as like a well-structured story. Yeah, it's fine. We get there. You know, there's a lot of things they're asking us to accept, which you will, because it's a great, it's a, it's a great fun movie to watch. But, you know, to to hold it in this reverence, I think we need to let go of that and say it was just ours. It's special to us and it's important to us and always will be. But objectively, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. I'm you know? gonna I'm gonna push back on some of this. <laughs> so, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm because, welcoming it. Bring bring me back into the light. <laughs> well, because well, first of all, I mean, so it's based, like I said, it's based on a thick ass novel by Michael Crichton. And did they sure. simplify a bit of that uh for the movie? Yeah, that's what movies do. But like I think with Crichton, and you can see this with Westworld too, like the thing that he was very because uh, because here's here's the real here's my spicy take. He he wrote the same story twice. Like Westworld is just uh, it's sure. Jurassic Park without dinosaurs. It's like yeah. what if the dinosaurs were robot people? Because we can do uh-huh. that cheaper, you know. <laughs> but uh, but it's fine because it, it's good both times. But it seems like he was very interested in uh, man playing God. And our desire to uh, to do that, to create life, to, you know, either whether it was artificial intelligence with robots or to bring back dinosaurs and sort of, you know, I think the key line in both the movie and the book is like you were your scientists were so concerned uh, with whether or not they could do it that they didn't stop to think if they should do it. I think I paraphrase right. that, but you know what I mean. Like that's the, pretty fucking close. Yeah, yeah. But close. it's but it's that idea. It's I think Ian Malcolm as a character represents the the guy who is going like, you know, why like like I think that it's built into Hammond. You know, the guy who makes the park. This idea of I made dinosaurs, and and he just thinks immediately. Isn't that so great? And it is because, again, like we said, you have that childlike wonder of seeing dinosaurs. But then the other characters, all Grant and uh, and um, God damn it, what is her name? Um, the help me out. It's Alan Grant and blank and Ian Malcolm are the three. I want to say her name is Ellie. Is that doesn't seem right? I was gonna. I was gonna say Ellie. But um, don't know. <laughs> well, I derailed it with uh, <laughs> with forgetting her name. But point being, it's like the idea is the park is about to open. Um, yeah, what the? It is Ellie. I was right. I just doubted my. It didn't sound right for some reason. But yeah, mm. Laura Dern's character, Ellie. Um, Word. But uh, but they so these characters are literally they're flown in on a helicopter because the idea is like the park is ready to go. 
but you know the the money people are having some anxiety and so i need you guys you guys are all going to be excited about this and uh i just need you to tell them that the park is great and that it's uh, it's everything's fine and it's okay. so it's really about like hammond's like hubris and you see that you see that with like the the chaos theory of like you're introducing something and you don't really know what's going to happen um this like idea of playing god and then you even have with grant and with ellie like they're sitting there like I think is Elian specifically when she looks at the one dinosaur that's sick and she's like trying to figure out what happened. And it's like, well, you didn't even you don't even know what plants that you have, you know, like you just planted stuff because you like the way that it looked. You just put these dinosaurs in these pens and you didn't think any of this through like you you st- you're you started and stopped at like park full of dinosaurs and you didn't think that you like like what sort of habitat they needed to live in, like what what would happen uh, if people interacted with dinosaurs, you assumed through hubris that you could protect everyone. And it's very clear that you can't. And so, like, I do think there is a deeper story about, like, our need to play God and our belief and like our, you know. Well, well, sure, man, I'm there with you. And also, I think there are undertones with um, between um, Ellie and Alan about whether or not the two of them should create life together as well. Right. right. So that's a whole other story that's being paralleled there with like, but none of it happened. None of those stories happen. None of them come to fruition because yeah, they're there somewhere in the mix, but in within that mix are people being chased and eaten by dinosaurs the whole time. That's the movie is people being chased and eaten by dinosaurs, which is awesome, but that's what it is. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, here's one thing that I will say that I think the book did that they changed in the movie and I think was a huge mistake is uh, Hammond uh, is killed in the book. Yeah. He, yeah and he should die. Pr- pretty gruesomely, too. Yeah. 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 No, I, it's, I think it's raptors, right? Like, but he's like ripped apart. Well, but. no, he gets bitten by those by those dinosaurs that have like... um um uh they have like novocaine or something like he gets numb there's like an oh, anesthesia yeah, yeah. when he gets bitten or like a morphine or something so he's yeah. actually like in some sort of the happy days being eaten alive by dinosaurs pretty fucked up actually yeah you know i remember that it was like it was very scandalous to me like as it, right. <laughs> you know like reading it especially because i had seen the movie and that's why i was reading the book and then i was like wait what what is happening uh <laughs> but uh uh but yeah i i think that like you know, so you have that stuff like in there. I the most I can concede to you on this is I think the third act of the movie is a little cheesy. Like it's when they're in the the you know wherever they are, like the mess hall, wherever they are, they're in like the pantry, uh-huh. and it's uh-huh. like the you know the girl is like uh, she's trying to hack into the like because it has computer hacking, which was never going to oh, age boy. well. But she's like trying to get into the system and. And the di- yeah, she's like, oh my god, I know this system. And the system is scroll up to turn park on, yeah, and yeah. then click that. Yeah, it-, <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if she was just lying and she was just like, wait, this is easy, but they're dumb. So yeah. I'm gonna impress that. Yeah. But it's like all of that's a little corny. There's definitely like a Deus Ex Machina to the T Rex just saves them for some reason. I uh, snuck into that building with no one noticing. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I'll give you that. The, 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 I think it does. The, the narrative falls apart a little in the third act. But I, 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 I see. And the reason I'm pushing back, too, is because the, I think the Jurassic World movies are what you're saying, where it's like, I think they, they get rid of any of the deeper stuff and they're just like, dinosaurs and they they really don't have anything else to say well, I and th- i and i think it's because i think it's because of what you just said so that first movie set the precedence and the third act things fall apart and whatever the message was was going to be any of the the subtle um or not subtle undertones of creating life in in different ways and and thinking about it too much or completely underthinking it and um, doing something because you can without stopping to to think what are the repercussions of that happening. All of it fell apart in the third act, and it, we don't really get a sense of, not if people learned a lesson, but we don't get a sense of uh, taking something away from all these stories. And still, we we put it on this giant pedestal. So what they did with all these other Jurassic movies is say, we don't need that shit. 
They yeah. love this crap, whether it's there or not. So all we need are dinosaurs running around and eating people. Because when the movie comes out, no, you know, no one says, well, it's a story about, about humans thinking about what like their place on the planet and the creation of life and how life is precious and maybe um, nature needs to be respected more. The movie comes out and they say, you know, a lawyer, a lawyer got eight on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the like it's um, it's it's incredible. But I mean, I think that I think that's what it is. You know, also also like in what in 93. So I was, you know. 12 years old and also that movie scared the crap out of me like i do think it's also a really good horror movie no it really is uh i'm, I'm curious like hearing you say all this like what do you think of jaws then <laughs> um jaws jaws is a great horror movie okay so but i mean is, are your feelings the same they're because i'm saying they're the same director do you think jaws is just uh, uh, the same stuff like wh everything that you've just said would you also apply that to jaws that's really kind of what no, i'm asking no no not not even close not even close why <laughs> because, <laughs> well, because I, mean, I, how, I mean how would i they're very different these two movies well jaws is just about a, being scared of a shark and then you don't even see the shark and there's not really yeah, anything well, yeah, deeper it's going a, it's on about be, it's a scary movie about a shark and there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of suspense because you're not seeing the shark and like there are these guys. John Williams like, score. I guess there's, there's definitely John Williams score. Yeah. There's a there is a there is a man versus nature element about it, but ultimately it's like, where's the shark? Are they going to get the shark? Uh, I'm scared of the shark. Why aren't they killing the shark now? Because I want the shark to be dead. Because I'm scared of that big ass shark. What's well, um, I I think there's more going on in Jurassic Park than Jaws. Like so, I yeah, think I, I think honestly, honestly, man, it's, it's not that it's not that. I just have to, I don't think that comparing those two works. I don't think that premise works. Why not? I, I, I don't know why you don't think they work. They're the same director. They both could be dismissed as horror or, but are talked about as if there's well, something deeper. Like, it's also like, a you know, a pretty, a pretty big cast with lots of extras and moving parts. And essentially like the first act of Jaws is, is that a little bit, but you only remember like three guys on a boat. You know, there's no CGI. I mean, and that was a boon. They didn't sh they didn't show the shark because the shark was well, a piece of crap. I think what I'm what I'm trying to get at and what I'm trying to push at you is like, I think that Jurassic Park is pro. Well, I don't think it's my opinion. Jurassic Park is my favorite Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, right and so if you don't think that highly of it, I what does that say about the rest of his catalog? He's he's revered for a lot of things. So like well, I do well that's the thing is I think very highly of it. You know, but I'm just trying to look at it objectively. Right. You know, and the and the and the higher I mean it's it's so not you, even, you think Spielberg's not, a bad even, director. It's not even his best movie that came out that year let alone in the 90s. It doesn't touch a lot of his stuff in the 80s. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., you know what I mean? Like, you know, and then in the 70s, it's it's Jaws and Close Encounters. Jurassic Park is fantastic. It's great. And I love it. But, it, you know, people saying, people have the, when someone says, and I'm guilty of this so many times, People say, you know, Jurassic Park was really good, but I, I didn't, I didn't think it was so great as people say. And record scratch, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I think they're right. I think they're absolutely right. They're like, it's great. I like it a lot. Um, uh, people lose their minds over it, and I don't get it. I'm one of the people who lose their minds over it. But now I'm saying, I get it. I get your opinion of like, it's pretty good. People will defend it with a knife. I hear. How about this? I'm going to just topple over the like, because I feel like we're, we're, we're getting to somewhere good and controversial, but we're not quite there. So I'm going to muddy the <laughs> okay. waters more and I'm going to take essentially the opposite uh, <laughs> take, which is this. I think the Jurassic Park is great and that in general Spielberg is overrated as a director. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm with you there. I'll take that for sure. Yeah, I just like I because I think I'm thinking about that a lot. It's funny because like I do letterboxed, um, which I really like. 
um, you know, because you can like track movies and stuff. And it's like unequivocal that I've seen more Steven Spielberg movies than he wants just because he's done more movies in it. And I like yeah, it. Like, yeah. it's not a knock on him uh, in general, but uh, like he just he's done a ton of movies and, and we're the right age to have seen them. But it's like I just kind of have that with him. And I think I had that because of watching West Side Story where I'm like, I think that he's done a lot of good movies, but I, I just find myself and I found that like watching West side story and comparing it to the original too, of like, is he like, like, I wouldn't describe him as an auteur. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I think it's interesting because you have guys like him and like Ron Howard and, and stuff where it's like, they're very like competent directors who have made really good movies. But, I but like, they're sort of workman directors. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that like anything that Spielberg has shot, like is really, you know, I mean like maybe like ET that shot across the moon or something, but it's like a lot of his movies, they don't really have like a true, like cinematically like beautiful artistic eye to them. They're usually just like, this is the place to put the camera to film what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, I I do know what you mean. I think it is unfair to to I don't know utter his name and Ron Howard's back to back because it's, he's I will say way that's, better than Ron Howard. I will say he's way better than Ron Howard. I, that's an <laughs> but I'm just saying that they they kind of exist uh, like in a similar like just there's certain directors that it's like that I don't think that and maybe they don't need to be, but it's like they're they're not like I don't know like visionary directors or like whatever we want to say like there's some directors who like they work with their cinematographers and they make these beautiful looking movies that are like art for your eyes and i think spielberg is a lot more like meat and potatoes in his approach you know like he's just most of his movies are like they're fun and you like the content but they're not you know beautiful to look at well i think you know i think they are beautiful to look at but i think that's what kind of clouds our judgment in in some of these movies when um not only are they not as good as we remember but they actually might be a little a little stinky well and um, i i think he's, that good, he, he, he's good at building a world that's cool to look at i suppose well, and i think he's good at picking projects too like, he's very yeah he is good at picking projects you know uh, i'm just i'm just looking because it it really does he really does inspire visuals because like, well, we talked about Jaws. I talked about Close Encounters. And I think anytime you say the name of, of either of those movies and people have a that picture in their head of like, that's what this movie is, you know, like E.T. is the same way. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark is the same way of like he created that. Even if it's one shot in the movie, it's such an iconic shot. Um uh, but the, I think that's because we like them. Like, I, you know what I mean? I, I think if you, what I'm trying to say is like the way that you're describing it of like mm -hmm. trying to take a step back at his work is like, we like these movies are great. And I'm not saying they're great. They're not great, but it's just like, are they like, are they just seared in our brains because we were kids and we love them? Or are they actually beautifully Absolutely. shot? That's what I was. That's what I was looking at when I, when I, I don't know. <clears throat> that veil was taken off when I was really thought about Jurassic Park of like great movie, but we need to take it easy on people who say, well, it's, it's just a good movie because that's acceptable for yeah. someone to say, look, Jurassic Park is just a good movie. You know, it, there are times that people said that, and I know you and I both have lost our minds of <laughs> just a good movie. <laughs> no, I think it is. I think Jurassic Park is, is just a good movie. Um, there's a lot of other things to say about it, but we shouldn't disagree with anyone who says that's just a good movie because it is. Now, if someone says Jurassic Park sucks, well, yes, yes, I, I will cut them. I will <laughs> cut them and their family should be afraid as well because right. that's ridiculous. All right. I feel like I understand your position a little bit. I think we came to common ground, I think. So, um, yeah, we're the same way. Look, if we wouldn't be having any of these, this discussion at all, I don't think. If Spielberg stopped at saving private Ryan, if he oh, had yes. just stopped yep. there and walked away, we, he would be in the conversation with Hitchcock, with Kubrick, with Fellini, 
not with Kurosawa. No one's in that conversation but him. Um, no, with well, Kurosawa, <laughs> Kurosawa, man, like I've been watching more of his stuff this past year, and it's yeah. like that's a guy that every single shot could be the poster. Like, well, you're like, yeah, that's a guy who you what you start watching his stuff and you say, oh, this is where filmmaking came from, right? Oh, oh like shit. He, but that's and that's what I was trying to get at is like you watch Kurosawa and it's like, oh my god, like this guy. It just he, it's beautiful. It's like every single shot. If it's three people like just standing around talking, somehow they're all the blocking and the, the framing and the way that they, it looks is like, it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's truly art. Like he makes art <laughs> that guy, like he's good yeah, at no, making movies, up. but I, but that's what I was Absolutely. trying to get at is like, I just think that Spielberg is like more workman than we think that it's like, He's really good because he's obviously good, but it's like he's more just capturing what's happening in a very competent way, which is its own skill. Like you need to be able to watch a movie and understand uh, that, you know, spatially where you are. You need to understand what's happening. Like, you know, the editing, all of that is important, but it's like then there's that extra, you know, like level of then making it art. And I think he's more like I said, just more workman. Uh, by the way, if anyone's curious too, I have seen 25 Steven Spielberg directed films. The next closest, sadly, is Ron Howard with 15. But then, he like, just makes a lot. Yeah, but they both make a lot. But it's like you you look and like most of the directors on Letterbox, it's like I've seen like 11 or 12 films that are like in my top ones. You know, like to make the top like. Uh, 20 that they give you or whatever but yeah 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 it's sort of like i'm pretty sure ron howard only made one good movie anyways um it was that one with his brother in it right yeah that's the one it wasn't i don't think his brother was in this one it was night shift and it's amazing because it's he discovered michael keaton and put him in a movie so he gave (laughs) us michael keaton so that's what you get credit for ron howard (laughs) oh i was wrong i I thought it was the paper you know with michael keaton (laughs) Oh, maybe Michael Keaton's just great, and we've undervalued was him. Was he in the paper? He was the editor. That was Spotlight. That wasn't even Ron Howard. No, 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 right? No, Michael right? Keaton. He's in the paper because he has the like. Uh, here, look. I Is can show he really you. in the paper? Look. Oh crap. Yeah, no, because he's. I remember it because he like keeps drinking caffeine, and I think someone tells him he's going to get an ulcer and. Like, there's a lot of discussion of that, of, like, how... I think it's, like, Duvall, like, telling him or whatever. But, like, there's this there talk about, like, how he was always drinking sodas, I think, or something. I vaguely remember it. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Whoa. Uh, so it, many sodas. But we're kidding. The Ron Howard movie that's great is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas live action. Which Ew! <laughs> um but yeah. Actually, I mean, if you really, if you really want to ask me which one he got right, it's probably Apollo 13. Yeah, no, it's, I knew that, I I assume people know that you meant Apollo 13. That's his great movie. I don't know that people did know that. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the one. That's the one I assumed you meant anyway. I, maybe I took for granted that everyone would assume that, but no, he made Apollo 13 and that is a great movie too. Great movie. With his brother in it. Motherfucker. (laughs) But, uh, but, but yeah, also just while we're here, just to wrap up, uh, similarly to just, they do a lot of stuff. Do you want to guess who the all time uh, actor that I've seen the most films of. You can get this, just think of sheer volume. John Goodman. Uh, no, John Goodman is in my top uh, 10, for sure, uh, but I think that's more me, because I see a lot of John Goodman's movies. Oh, but so th- volume. Okay. Yeah. Volume. Yeah, Holy just by hell. sheer number. Yeah. By sheer number. I don't know who's in everything. Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. I've seen okay. <laughs> 47 movies with Samuel L. Jackson. In oh, so you've seen a third of them. Yes. Unsurprisingly, and we someday, mark this down, we need to have a discussion sure. about right. who was one of my favorite actors who like, it's, it's hard for me. I don't want to do this. But in the same way that like we've kind of talked about like De Niro and Pacino and guys who like overstay their welcome to diminishing uh-huh. returns. Uh-huh. Number two on my list with 35 films is Bruce Willis. And I don't, Bruce Willis seems to be in a new movie I've never heard of every month. That's I like, don't, uh, man, I don't know that we should talk about that because I don't know how to without being mean. Yeah. Um, and honestly, De Niro, De Niro is another one of these guys where if, you know, if he had, if he had stopped with awakenings, 
I would have never noticed that he hasn't really ever been all that good. Right. He's got uh, he's got like two or three awesome movies and the rest of it is him just repeating himself over and over on film. The funniest thing is, I think out of all of them, the the guy who with the most talent out the gate is Al Pacino, because if you watch. 100%. Yeah. Oh, my God. Al Pacino in the 70s. Yeah. Almost unsurpassed. But yeah, that's a guy who should have retired in the 70s because it. It got oh, bad. Oh, man. I, yeah, like Scarface should have been his swan song. Yes. Of like, they'll, oh they'll my appreciate God. this letter later. <laughs> oh, my God. If he had stopped at Scarface, we would be Legendary. talking about the greatest actor of all time. Like, yep. Oh, yeah. and I wish he had been making movies this whole time. Can you Come imagine? Back. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, but by the way, yeah, just to, I don't know. Maybe people, I find this interesting. Maybe no one else does. But Samuel L. Jackson, 47. Bruce Willis, 35, Nick Cage, 32, Bill Murray, 30, Tom Wait. Cruise, 30 are my top five. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, they all work a lot. <clears throat> I'm surprised Denzel wasn't in there. Den- so he's the a, next, he's a little next- more. He, will, he stopped being picky about 10 years ago as well. Well, the funny thing. So the next two actors on the list after Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman with 29 movies and Denzel with 27 movies. So they're both like right there. But it's just, yeah, I mean, 30 movies is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I got to watch those equalizers. That's why I could I could get him above Tom Cruise if I finally watched the equalizer one and two and then just like, you know, something else. Yeah. I watched that first equalizer. It's all right. That was, that was kind of my impression. I love Denzel, but yeah. that was kind of my yeah. impression from the trailers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I was, it, was, it was all right to the point where I said, oh, Equalizer 2? Huh. Yeah. Wonder, wonder what's justifying that. It's fascinating because he's not a guy who does sequels. Like, so no, I'm curious what brought him. He's not yeah. picky anymore. I'm afraid he's going down the same path. I will say, yeah, recommendation, I think it's still on Hulu. I had never seen Unstoppable, and I I just had it. That is a movie that should not work, but is so much like stupid fun. It is very much stupid fun, and also, (laughs) and also, it makes me want to watch that SNL skit again. So that was, I think, that's what made me not watch it for so long was how funny that SNL sketch is, which is perfect, and I was in the back of my mind the whole time. But I think made the movie better. Because I did really think that like, the whole time. Uh-huh. He's insulting me and I'm allowing it. <laughs> so good. Where'd you learn about trains? From inventing them? <laughs> the fact that he then just mugs into the camera for five seconds. <laughs> oh, man. I miss both of them. I miss because it's Taron Killam and, uh, and Jay, Jay Farrow. And I miss yeah. both of them and they need to do more stuff. Yep. Yep. It's like, yay, I made it on SNL. This show sucks. I'm going to go do other stuff. And sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. Yep. Almond Joy's got nuts. Mountains don't. All right. Remember, everybody, (laughs) question everything. (laughs) Yeah. Shut up and get a lawyer. Go!
Don't call me rookie, old man. I know trains. Where'd you learn trains, huh? Thomas the Tankage? And where did you learn trains, old man? From inventing them? Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.